At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. A warmer from the low. Welcome to Love Las Vegas. With Dustin Cousins, with myself, Greg Pierce, and now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. We are going to be talking to Sean Paul today. He does a great job over there at Making the Madness, that podcast on top of that field of 68 and the Mountain West Wire. And we've got quite a bit to talk about in terms of some of these mid-majors that have made some big moves this offseason. I know that he's doing a little bit of a deep dive on the WAC right now, so we're going to be discussing with him a team or two that he thinks is going to have a big year out there. Some teams that, in general, he feels like have been a little bit under the radar with regards to the moves that they made this offseason. The outlook of the SEC with six new coaches, and we're going to be diving into a little bit about what we're going to be seeing with South Carolina as well as we wind up seeing Gigi Jackson officially decommit from North Carolina. He was the number one overall recruit for the class of 2023. There is much speculation right now that he's going to reclassify to 2022. He's going to be joining the South Carolina squad. So we're going to be taking a look with our good friend Sean at how South Carolina winds up shaping up right now and how they could wind up looking if when it's all said and done they do wind up getting Gigi Jackson into the fold for this season. And that's really the main piece of news and notes that we're getting in college basketball right now. The fact that we might wind up seeing Gigi Jackson wind up reclassifying from the class of 2023 down to the 2022. So we're going to be discussing that in depth with our good friend Sean. And if you do have a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters CM. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. Wound up doing my Horizon League Conference preview yesterday on the podcast. We're going to be continuing those. We're going to have a little bit of vacation time coming up next week, so hopefully I'll be able to pound out one or two conferences I might not be able to find a guest for, and then from there, we'll get back on a lot more of the guest appearances with regards to these conference previews within the next few days as well. So that's what's all on tap for me and what's all on tap coming up next is talking about what we're going to be seeing out of South Carolina this season and some teams that are under the radar a little bit in terms of the mid-majors that made some big moves. We're going to be talking about that and so much more with Sean Paul of the Field of 68 and the Making the Madness podcast next right here on Coast to Coast Soups with myself, Greg Pierce, and now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. And we're back here in Las Vegas for Coast to Coast Hoops with myself, Greg Hoops, and now part of the Visa family and podcast. Always a pleasure to get this guest on our podcast. As Sean Paul is doing a great job over there with a wide variety of things. He's at the field of 68, breaking down the great game of college basketball. And on top of that, he does a great job with the Mountain West Wire as well. And I know that he is a man that is just tied into all things college basketball. You're able to follow Sean Paul on Twitter at SeanPaulCBB. All together. And, Sean, it is great to have you aboard. Thank you. It's always good to join you, Greg. Thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure to have you aboard, my friend. And it is a pleasure that we've got so much going on in college basketball this offseason. Things have started to slow down a little bit. But with that said, taking a look at this college basketball offseason, for a few teams that want to going a little bit under the radar in terms of the moves that they want to make, because we all know about some of the bigger ones like 
no question what Creighton was able to do this offseason with getting in Baylor Shireman. Those are ones that are going to be very prevalent come this season, but or a few teams that might be a little bit off the beaten path that you take a look at and you think, man, they really got better this offseason. Yeah, one I would start with is, of course, a mid-major team because if I'm, I have to talk mid-major hoops, it's just what I have to do. Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so one I would say they literally only added one player, but I think that's all they need, and that's UC Santa Barbara adding Andre Kelly. That's a guy who averaged 13 and 8 at the Pac-12 level, given it was for a really not very good Cal team. He got hurt late last season. But he's really good inside. He's strong. He has a good touch at the basket. And it's tough to replace a guy like Amadou So who went pro. But Andre Kelly was probably the best replacement you can find. I'm expecting a bit of a breakout season from A.J. Mitchell at the point guard spot. Maybe Zach Harvey, who didn't play last year. He redshirted, but the Cincinnati transfer, maybe he could find that form that made him a top 100 recruit at one point. This is a team with a lot of talent, a lot of former transfers. They only added one guy from the portal this year, but a lot of guys that came in previously. I think this is a team that's ready to make a lot of noise this season. And I actually wound up making UC Santa Barbara my number one team on my projector finish for the Big West. So I am in total lockstep with you there. And I do think that when it comes to the transfer portal, a lot of times, a lot of people, they take a look at it and they're like, oh, this team wound up adding like five, six guys, something like that. But I don't believe that you need to add that many guys in the transfer portal. I think that the teams that wind up doing it best, they wind up adding one very crucial piece, sometimes two, but I feel like the teams that wind up doing the best of jobs, maybe they wind up adding another depth piece that they can wind up bringing in, give the team like 10 minutes, five fouls, sort of like what Theo John wound up doing at Duke, for lack of a better term. But I feel like with regards to utilizing the transfer portal effectively, it's a good blend of being able to recruit and develop from within, but then finding those one or two pieces to take you from like a good team and elevating you another level or two. Yeah, no question. Like you talk about teams that added a lot of guys, but maybe not the most talented or the most substantial additions. I think the biggest example of that is South Carolina out there in the SEC. Obviously, they kind of had to retool the roster a little bit. A lot of the players left from a team that already wasn't very good. But Jermaine Cousinard was was a pretty solid player. Eric Stevenson was okay. Devin Carter obviously would have been the future of the program. But they just added a handful of guys where I'm just like, I don't know – if this is like a legitimate player that can make noise at the SEC level, like they're looking at Benjamin Bosman's Verdonk coming in from Illinois, where he really struggled when he got on the floor. Michi Johnson, who just didn't do a whole lot of, at Ohio State in two seasons. Abrima Deba from Coastal Carolina. He's athletic. He's a bigger point guard. He can play the two. He can play the three. I think he's solid, but I don't know if he's an SEC starter, which is what he might be on this team. And then you look at a guy like Hayden Brown, who was able to be really good at the SoCon level for the Citadel, a, a fast-paced offense. Lamont Paris typically does not play as fast of a pace as the Citadel had in previous years. And Hayden Brown, he's not a great shooter, and he's six foot five and plays a four. So I'm just not sure how much of a factor he could be at the SEC level. I'm in agreement with you there. I do think that there are a couple of guys that they just don't belong in the SEC, to your point. And when it comes to Paris Lamont, it took him a few years to be able to get things online at Chattanooga. Now, this last year at Chattanooga was very good, but it did wind up taking a few years for him as well. So I factor that in as joining me on the podcast, we do have Sean Paul, but the one thing I take a look at for South Carolina right now, it is the biggest TBD out there in college basketball, in my opinion, right now, because darn near all the big time transfers, they have decided where they're going in the portal. But Gigi Jackson, he is the number one recruit for 2023. He is eyeing perhaps going to South Carolina and reclassifying for the year 2022. We're going to be seeing what winds up happening with this. 
in the coming days and weeks. But this wound up breaking as we're recording this podcast about 48 to 72 hours ago that this was going to be a possibility. And I think that this could be a big-time game-changer for South Carolina. Now, the track record for guys that reclassified, I think it's very fair to say it's been hit or miss, but this would be very impactful for South Carolina if it does wind up happening. Yeah, no question. Gigi Jackson, really talented player. He was good on the FIBA U18 team a couple of weeks ago for the U.S. I think he had like a 20-point game. He can score in a lot of different ways. But what it comes down to here is if he wanted to win a lot of games, he would have waited until next year and went to North Carolina. I mean, if he wanted to reclass and go to North Carolina, I'm sure they would have taken him, but he wouldn't have played that much. But at South Carolina, he'll probably be able to get off like 15 shots per game. This really looks like Anthony Edwards, Ben Simmons type of thing for me. The team's going to be really bad regardless, but hey, they'll have a lottery pick on their team. It'll get some eyes on them a little bit. Yeah, but no question. It could wind up changing the style that they wind up playing a little bit as well. And I do think that it's going to be very interesting to take a look at the South Carolina stylistically this year as well, because you mentioned all that's happening with South Carolina. They're one of six teams out there in the SEC that wound up having a coaching change. Now, I think that you'd be in agreement with me that the SEC, one of the more up-to-up conferences in all of college basketball this last season with the way that LSU was playing, no doubt Alabama, they've really kicked up their tempo. Arkansas is a team that they play very relentlessly as well. What do you expect this season with all these coaching changes? Because I feel like we've got a good blend of coaches that some played very, very slowly. Like, for example, Chad Nugalize here in terms of possessions per game, They are one of the slower teams out there in college basketball. Meanwhile, Cleveland State and every year under Dennis Gates, it felt like they wound up playing faster and faster. So I think that the actual style of play in the SEC is something worth watching as well. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. I would say, you know, you look at Matt McMahon. He's a guy that's won playing his way. Dennis Gates is the one kind of you mentioned that I'm looking at. They won just by playing super hard. They didn't always have the most talent in the Horizon League but they were able to win just off how hard they played at times. And their defensive efficiency wasn't great last year, but they still played so hard. And that was able to win you games in a mid-major league. I'm not sure if that wins you games in a power conference league, but they also have more talent. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. But I think you have to have a little bit of a mix of both playing your identity and also having the talent around them. Totally agree with you because when it comes to these teams that they wind up bringing in a lot of new coaches as well. When you do wind up bringing in a new coach, as we know, that leads to a lot of turnover with regards to roster. As a matter of fact, with LSU, I don't know if they wind up returning a single guy that averaged more than a point per game last season. And I don't think that they returned a single scholarship guy. So that's a completed under overhaul as you wind up having the regime for Murray State wind up taking hold and they wind up bringing with them a lot of players like a KJ Williams and company. We saw it with Dennis Hayes going from Cleveland State. He brought a lot of guys with him from the Horizon League as well. And I think that these are interesting case studies as well because not only are you seeing these coaches going up a level, they're bringing with them a lot of players that they were solid at a mid-major sort of form of college basketball. Now they're going to have to compete out there in the SEC, and I think that's going to be an interesting case study to see how this winds up working out when you've got a coach along with some of his players going from one level of college basketball up to the power six. Yeah, and I feel like there's some examples of this happening in the past. Like, I can't really pinpoint that many in my head, but I feel like there's always been a few. But in the past, they've also had a sit, so it's kind of different. I am curious to see how it plays out because you mentioned how LSU bringing over some of the Murray State guys like K.J. Williams, who could have played anywhere in the country. Trey Hannibal, who's experienced in the SEC at South Carolina. Juice Hill coming over there from Murray State also. But the guys coming over from uh, 
from Cleveland State. I think Demoy Hodge is definitely good enough for the SEC. Trey Gamillion, he's not that good of a scorer. I'm not sure what kind of role he'll play in the in the SEC, but I am curious to see, like you said, how this plays out. Yeah, I do think that they have a lot of intrigue there. It's joining me on the podcast. We do have Sean Paul. He does a great job over there at the field of 68. And on top of that, Mount Westwire as well. And Sean, we were mentioning a little bit earlier with some of these mid-major teams that they wound up being able to upgrade their roster. I know that you wound up writing up about this team about 24, 48 hours ago, and that's a little bit on the whack because you mentioned Cal Baptist, and I think that this is a team that is going to be very good out there in the whack. I don't know if they're going to be able to win the conference or not, but I think that there's a very good case for them. And what I think is actually going to be a very good whack, you take a look at Southern Utah coming into that conference. They were very solid out there in the big sky. New Mexico State, they wind up losing Chris Jans, but they're always relatively talented. Grand Canyon's a team that made the NCAA tournament a few seasons ago, covered that game against Iowa. So from my perspective, they were able to do a relatively solid job. But I take a look at the entire whack, and I'm impressed. And I know you're impressed by Cal Baptist, and I am right there with you as well. So talk a little bit about them and their outlook for this season. Yeah, they're really going to spread the floor around Taryn Armstrong, who's a great playmaker, probably the best passer in college basketball, can make passes that seem impossible happen. But sometimes last year, I felt like he was a little too unselfish, if that makes sense. Like there were shots that he should have taken that probably could get him to the NBA level. That's probably part of what kept him fully off that radar this year paired with an injury. But he's got to be able to shoot the ball better. He's got to think a little bit more to score for himself. And I feel like that was a thing that Jason Preston kind of struggled with at Ohio, another mid-major guard that got drafted. I think Taron Armstrong is that same kind of guy. But California Baptist, you look at Timothy Ego Hefe, who comes in from Georgetown. He's a good addition. He's not as good as Daniel Aukin. He's not a good offensive player by any stretch of the imagination. But he had 13 rebounds in the Big East tournament against Seton Hall. He's a big body who can set screens, he can block a shot occasionally, he's a great rebounder, that's what he's going to bring to the table. And I'm expecting bounce backs from Trey Armstrong, the older brother of Taron, from three-point range in Reed Nottage, who's a six-foot-seven wing, who shot 42% two years ago, struggled last year. Riley Batten coming in from Utah. You have Blondu Chiquenio coming in from New Hampshire. He's another guy that I think could be pretty solid, too. Another point guard option there for California Baptist. He can play off the ball and shoot it a little bit, too. This is a good team. I mean, this is a really good team. And while you mentioned New Mexico State, they're going through a bit of a LSU thing where they're losing their entire roster, essentially, their top eight scores and their head coach. It could be a down season for them. I do like Xavier Pinson, but these guys have to find a way to mesh, and that could take some time. Grand Canyon, you get Sean Harrison, you get Javon Blackshire, but you also don't have like Asborn Mickard or Alessandro Laver, who was that inside presence, unless Ivan Udraogo or Aiden Igion, if I'm saying that right, from Louisville yep. a couple of years ago. If one of them becomes a solid scorer, then that's good. But if not, I'm not sure where they're getting their inside scoring from. It's going to be Rayshon Harrison. It's going to be Jovan Blackshear. And it's going to be Noah Bauman scoring the basketball. I don't think those guys are going to do a whole lot. And when it came to that conference as well, we wound up actually seeing Seattle and Stephen F. Austin tie for first place out there in the conference last season. I think that Seattle is going to be an interesting team as well because they wound up losing a few pieces from last year. And they were really built around that great trio of guards, Darion Trammell, 
Cam Tyson, along with Riley Grigsby. They wind up losing Tramo. He winds up going to San Diego State. And if you're looking at impactful transfers, I think that him going to San Diego State is massive because now Matt Bradley doesn't have to do it all by himself out there in the backcourt. But I think that they're one of the most interesting teams at all of college basketball because last year they were one of the biggest surprises to me. Jim Hayford winds up getting canned just before the season. Chris Victor led the team to a 14-4 and record in conference, 23-9 and overall. And, I mean, Chris Victor did one of the best coaching jobs out there in all of college basketball compared to expectations. He deserves a round of applause for what he wanted doing there. But I take a look at the Seattle team, and I think that it's going to be interesting to see what they wind up doing this season because I just don't know if they're going to be able to replace all that they wind up losing in the backcourt with a little bit of turnover from last season. It's going to be hard, no question about it. I mean, is Cameron Tyson going to be the guy that runs a point? Or are they going to keep him off the ball and have Paris Dawson, who's coming in from Portland State? Are they going to let him run the point? But long story short, I mean, you're losing your point guard. You're losing your high-usage guy that made the plays when it mattered. He had a couple 30-plus point games last year. Like, he was a big-time player. And while Cam Tyson had some big shots, he's not really a point guard. Like, he's never averaged one assist. He's averaged below one assist in every single season he's played at college basketball. If you're having him run the point guard, I mean, he's probably going to be able to get a lot of shots off, but he's not a point guard. So you're going to have to find who can run the show and get guys like Grigsby and get guys like Tyson their shots. Is that Paris Dawson? Is it somebody else? We'll have to see. But I'm not as high on Seattle this year because losing Tramiel is just huge. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I do think that uh, it is going to really hurt them. And I mean, we're talking about the whack. They do wind up bringing in a school in Southern Utah. You did wind up seeing Lamar wind up going back to the Southland, probably best for them because it was really, really rough for them last year out there in the whack. And I think that everyone's happy about that. But I'm not sure if you've seen anything as to what's going on with this situation, but I know that Chicago State is no longer going to be in the whack as well. This is all part of realignment because we all talk about the big moves that are happening with the two LA schools going into the Big Ten, what's going to be happening with the Big 12 SEC in a few years moving forward as well. So those wind up getting all the attention. But have you heard what's going to be happening with Chicago State? Because I know that they were trying to get into the MEAC. Sounds like that wound up getting shot down. And that's a very interesting situation with with what's happening with them because they are now out of the whack after they went 3-15 of last year. But they actually pulled off an upset of New Mexico State themselves. Yeah, honestly, I'm not sure. But I think for like right now, they're just going to be an independent. And I don't know what they're going to do for conference play once that starts and you're past the bye game portion of the schedule. I honestly have no idea. But Chicago State might have like their most talented roster in program history. I mean, Elijah Weaver and Wesley Cardit, those are two like legitimate players. Those are guys that are actually good. Chicago State has not had a lot of talent at all in most years and those are two legitimate guys so I am curious to see what they actually look like I don't know what they're doing for conference play but they have a little more talent this year and AJ Neal even who winds up coming in from Long Beach State he was a top 250 recruit himself now you've got a lot of guys that they wind up playing the point guard spot sort of having a few different guys that wind up playing the same position trying to be able to mix and match that that might be a little bit of an issue but Chicago State was actually, at the very least, not completely awful last year, which for them is a massive stride forward because this podcast has been one that has faded Chicago State quite a bit. So, I mean, I give them a little bit of credit there, but it is very confusing as to what's happening in terms of conference realignment. And I know that you're someone much like myself that is getting set for the upcoming college basketball season. And, I mean, even the best of us, I'm sure that you've had it happen as well, where 
you're sort of confused as to what's all happening with regards to some of these teams in new conferences as well, whether some of these moves as well wind up taking place for this year, next year, or a few years from now as well. And I think that that's just a little bit of a trick in this year being able to gauge college basketball that you typically don't wind up having because there's just been so many moves and it's hard to be able to keep track of it even when you follow it on a day-in and day-out basis. Yeah, definitely. Realignment and everything going on there is a little confusing, but it's the world we live in. So Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where if you're listening to this podcast and you wind up getting a team or two wrong with regards to realignment, I have no fear because I wound up having that happen to myself because I wound up forgetting that Monmouth was a part of the Colonial until I was almost done with my Colonial Conference preview as well. I wonder what's happening with Chicago State right now. I mean, it's happening to the best of us, but Sean, I know that you're a man that you're doing a great job of being able to keep everything in line, doing your best of being able to keep up with all these moves that we're seeing in college basketball. It certainly is little bit more of a dry period when it comes to player movement but as we know the movement in terms of teams for conferences for both this year and moving forward it is very hot and heavy and i know you're doing a great job getting set for the upcoming college basketball season so the people at home know how they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you got going on in general yeah you could drop me a follow at sean paul cbv everything i do you could, you'll find on there so appreciate everyone who checks me out from this awesome and sean doing an absolutely amazing job taking a look at the game of college basketball that we all know and love and it is always a pleasure to get him on the podcast big thanks to sean for joining me right here on coast to coast soups now part of the visa family of podcasts and if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast coast to coast soups you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast apple Podcasts, google play spotify stitcher and tune in if you've got a question comment segment idea whatever you for this podcast you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in first one is my twitter timeline at gnet underscore d1 keep in mind letters em maybe does not matter so as per usual please do send these into the timeline and the other way is via an apple podcast review if you rate this podcast five stars it is very much appreciated from there you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review i'll be coming at you guys Every single day in the offseason, it's the news and notes that we are seeing in college basketball once we get in-season fix and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I appreciate you tuning in today, and I'll come at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.